Let me just, uh, I want to take a moment before I get into what I feel to communicate here tonight. Uh, I know we're, the year is winding down and, and uh, heading into Christmas, and that's always a kind of a distracting time of year and lots of things going on and lots of parties for hosting and marshmallows for roasting and Hopefully there's some snow to be caroling out in, um, but uh, I just want to—I just—I want to take a moment just to say there are some uh, uh, over the last several weeks or so, especially uh, the Lord has has been given some fresh, clear direction for some things, and I—I uh, I believe next year. Um, is going to be a, a great year, and I don't mean that to to say uh, measured by sort of the things we normally measure by. Not to say those things won't happen. Uh, not to say a lot of people won't get the Holy Ghost and get baptized and all that stuff. But there, that that's uh, that's obviously a huge part. But uh, there there are other things that are very important as well, and one of the things. Um, that I believe is going to be significant about next year is I, I believe that we are going to do uh, as good of, if not the best job we've ever done in purposefully working towards equipping and, and discipling and growing. Um, there, there are certain things the Bible promises is that if we do, there are automatic results. For uh, years now, a um, long time ago, well, I guess I say a long time ago, probably 10 plus years now at least, the Lord impressed upon me the scripture in Isaiah where he says, enlarge the place of your tent, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And he says, when you do that, then you will break forth. And it's very easy uh, it's very easy, especially in, in my opinion from the perspective of a pastor, to try to do things that cause breaking forth or just to try to manufacture breaking forth because that's what's exciting. Lengthening the cords and strengthening the stakes is not very exciting. We, we, uh, most of you are all, pretty much all of you here tonight, I think, are aware we've been through a, a building project the last uh, several months at our house, and uh, there, there was nothing pretty about the foundation. There was nothing attractive. I have spent probably the last, uh, uh, actually, going back to the first week of November, I have spent just about every spare moment I can come up with. Uh, I've done most of the interior painting and several other things. And and uh, so I, I, but I've been going nonstop. But you know what? I, I didn't do one thing to the foundation. I didn't go out and paint the foundation. We didn't pick a color scheme for the foundation. There's nothing attractive about the foundation. And yet, it is... <laughs> So critical. And, 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 you know, now we're seeing all the results. We're seeing the outcome. We're seeing the, the, the colors and the decor and all that stuff. But we need the foundation. And so part of, I'm telling you this because I want you to hear, I'm, I'm not trying to hype you up. We're, you know, we're going to 
pray 5,000 people through next year. We do that fantastic. <laughs> but, but anybody here want to grow, develop in your walk with God? Anybody? Maybe I should say it this way. Is anybody that doesn't want to grow and develop in your walk with God? <laughs> so uh, I believe... I believe that that there is dual responsibility in that. You have a responsibility if you want to grow and develop in your walk with God. You have a responsibility. But the dual part of that is that we, as the body, have a responsibility to also help you grow. And so I, I believe that we are, we are in the process of, of, of some things that are going to help us do that. Um, so uh, just, I just kind of wanted to insert that for a moment. Um, Sunday night, and several of you were here, um, many of you perhaps, and uh, I preached in, in, in essence about the body, and uh, I believe that that'll be the, the spiritual body. I believe, uh, I think that may be a little bit of a direction on Sunday nights for a while. Uh, and tonight, and, and I think this may be a little bit of a direction for a little while on Thursday nights, Sunday night is, is the body, that's the collection. But tonight, I want to talk to you about the individual. <laughs> because the body, the body of Christ, is made up of individual members. So if you're going to have a body, you got to have members. And I don't mean, I'm not saying members in the context of, of members of the group. I mean like members of your body. You have to have parts of the body to make up the body of Christ. So uh, I, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, know, I know it was touched on, but I think uh, my apologies for not remembering better than than this sort of general statement, but if I'm not mistaken, Bishop actually read uh, a couple of chapters, uh, chap- or verse by verse in Ephesians. I think it was Ephesians uh, one day at pause, and I realize a lot of you aren't able to be at the day sessions. But uh, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna start tonight with the beginning of Ephesians and. Um, I'm not really prepared to say this is going to be a study of Ephesians because uh, I don't I don't have my normal slides as notes and all of that um, kind of approaching this a little bit different. But the the first couple of uh, chapters, if you get to chapter four of Ephesians, Paul, it's in that chapter where we find those very important verses uh, about the the fivefold ministry and its purpose and the equipping of the saints and 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 some and some things about that so it's it's it kind of shifts the focus a little bit there but these first couple of chapters have to do uh, a, a good bit about you and I as individuals so I, I do have uh, I, I do have the entire chapter printed or, or in my on my iPad in the amplified. And uh, I may reference as we go along um, a verse from the Amplified just to give a little bit uh, more flavor and, and clarity. So Ephesians 1, and I'll tell you what, you can just remain seated, but before we, uh, before we get into this, let's pray. Father, thank you. 
for the privilege of being in your presence tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of your body. Thank you for the calling you've given every one of us, Lord, for choosing us to be a part of your kingdom, your body. God, I pray tonight that your spirit would minister, that your word would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that there would be a spirit of revelation and understanding. I pray, God, that there would be faith in this place tonight to mix with your word, that it may profit, that it may benefit every one of us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 1, verse number 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath, what? What tense is that? That was much better than pause. Bishop asked that question about a word and half the people yelled out the wrong tense. <laughs> he hath, hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He hath, past tense, already blessed us with some spiritual blessings. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let us be, this is not a trick question, but it's going to require vulnerability, it's going to require humility. So if you want to be humble, just raise your hand in a moment and we'll believe you're all humble. How many of you can say you feel like experientially, I'm not talking about, you know, by faith or whatever, but how many of you feel like experientially right now you are living that? Let's ask it this way, just to kind of be sure. How many of you do not feel like that is the current state of your life? How many of you don't know? (laughs) There's kind of an either or, but okay. I would venture to say a lot of folks sitting here tonight and a lot of believers are not necessarily feel like that's where they're living. He has... Past tense, past tense, already. He has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings. So why is it that most of us may not necessarily feel like that's where we are? Well, I I think Galatians gives us a little bit of an insight as to why that's the case. Galatians 4 And verse 1, Paul says this, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. The heir 
Let's 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 use a let's use a name most of us know that could hopefully demonstrate the sort of the context of this. Bill Gates' son, Bill Gates' child, I don't know if he's got children still, young children, or if they're all older now, but his child is no different than a servant, though he may have though he may be in the will to receive an inheritance. He has a rightful expectation to receive an inheritance, but as a child, he is no different than a servant. Verse 2, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. So all of that is his. Let's go back to Ephesians uh, 1 and verse 3, if you would, please. He has blessed, past tense. Could it be that the reason many of us do not feel like we are living that by experience is because we are still children under tutors and governors? Nathaniel just got his driver's license a couple of weeks ago. He now has the legal right. As long as he gets the parental permission to go by himself, get in his car and drive off. Prior to his license, he did not have that right. For a period of time, he did have the right with his learners to drive if there was an an adult of a certain age in the car. My parents have been extremely gracious and have helped all four of my kids get a car. Nathaniel's car has been sitting for months. Driven some, but not driven by him, or at least not driven by him by himself. Technically, from the day they gave him that car, it was his car. It's his car. He was technically the owner of it, yet he did not have the right to freely use it. Y'all okay? Surely we're all through our turkey coma. You're just listening, right? Okay. It's been hit for months. It's been his car. It didn't belong to anybody else. It was technically his car, but he did not have the right to freely use it until just a couple of weeks ago. Because he has now proven himself, not only by going through the steps to obtain a driver's license, but he's also proven himself to me as a father that he is trustworthy to be on the road. Kind of interesting. I've seen this in a number of ways, but uh, when it when it came to to driving and learning to drive 
Esther and Timothy were very similar. And Elizabeth and Nathaniel have been very similar. Esther and Timothy um, were fairly confident in their driving ability. Probably a few times a little overconfident. And uh, Nathaniel and Elizabeth have been on the other end of that. Very nervous, very hesitant, very cautious. There was a period of time in the last year since Nathaniel's had his learner's permit that I was not, would not have been comfortable with him being in the car on the road by himself. I was comfortable with him being in the driver's seat with me in the passenger seat because I was experienced and I could keep my eyes out and I could see if there was something he wasn't noticing and I could tell him. But again, now he has the right and he has the trust to drive by himself. Unfortunately, we want all the blessings and the freedom to experience those blessings without having proven our trustworthiness with them. So, the Word of God doesn't lie. If I'm not there, if I'm not experiencing that, then perhaps it's because he's still got me under tutors and governors because I haven't learned some things and I haven't proven some things. I haven't demonstrated my trustworthiness. Why is it that every one of us, how about just the parents here this evening, it is completely acceptable for us as parents to expect our kids to prove their trustworthiness. I told Timothy, uh, it was about a year or so, maybe a little less before he got his driver's license. I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to be up front with him. Brother, I told him several times, I said, I said, Timothy, I want you to know. You're about a year away, less to get your driver's license. And, uh, for, you know, for you to be able to go out and do your own thing and whatever, you need to prove that you're trustworthy. And so I want you to know that over the next several months, I am watching you in every area. Because your trustworthiness to me is based on how you conduct yourself in every area. Not just simply on the fact you know how to operate a vehicle safely. I want to see if you're honest in every area. Because if I can see areas where you're consistently dishonest, then you may be telling me some things about where you are that you're really not. Which is why it's so wonderful for I find my phone. So all you young people that think that's a bad thing and you think that's wrong for your parents, come back and talk to me in 20 years when you got your own kids. <laughs> that, that, that's why, so Sunday night, this past Sunday night, the body and what the body is and all that's great. But, but there's also this other component of what we are individually. We're not just here to be church members showing up three times a week, checking off our boxes. We have been, according to Scripture, blessed with all spiritual blessings. 
If I'm not experiencing, if I'm not living in that, then perhaps it's because I have not demonstrated yet. I don't need tutors and governors anymore. I don't need a babysitter anymore. (laughs) Because he doesn't give us all those spiritual blessings for us to just stick them in the, in the, in our, in our spiritual safe and keep them protected. He gives them to us. He bestows them upon us, not only to benefit us, but then to benefit others. Verse four. This is, this is, this is, man, somebody needs to get this tonight. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now we, we could, you know, that whole last part of that's great and important and be easy to, you know, focus on that part. But that's, that's not the real part that I feel like somebody needs to get tonight. All of us need to get. Read that one in the Amplified. Even as in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy, consecrated, set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. Do you understand what that verse is saying, John? That verse is saying before he ever said, let there be light. Not before Bishop and Mother Wright came to Annapolis to start a church. (laughs) Not before the American Revolution. (laughs) Not just before the day of Pentecost. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you. Oh, my goodness. He, I said it Sunday night. I didn't really know where I was going to go tonight, but I said it Sunday night. So here I am reemphasizing it and giving you the basis for that. There's not one of us that's here by accident. It's not a coincidence. It's not a mistake. You were specifically chosen before the world was ever created. Oh my goodness. And people want to just, people want to, excuse me, but people want to dumb this down to just showing up one morning a week for church because we have a religious obligation when God, before he ever said, let there be light, said, I want you and I want you and I want you and I want you for a purpose. Oh, hallelujah. That's good, Pastor. Ah, my, my. <laughs> Chosen. He chose. He chose. He chose. I, I get it. I, I, th- this has been something I've used a lot, especially feel like the last several months in a couple different, more so some one-on-one situations. It, it seems so many times... And perhaps it feels like so many times that our life is just simply one coincidence after the other. Just, it just 
seems like this happens and that happened and this, you know, this happened. And, 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 and I mean, just think about how just think about sort of the journey that got some of you here. Amen. How about I'll pick on Sister Kristen back there. She came here a little over a year ago, right? Right. A year. January. Jan- January. Wow. Came here in January for a one year. Right. For a one year job. For a one-year job. She came here to do a one-year job rotation with her company. One of the churches she's been a part of, Brother Cornwells, he told her when she came here, she was a, had to come here. She lives up Pikesville. Doesn't live in Annapolis. Doesn't live in Arnold. He didn't care. I don't, she may have lived in Cumberland. I think he might have told her anyway. She came for a year for a job. And now, in a couple of months, what God has joined together, let no man. Here's, here's my point. Look, look, get this. Get this. Sister, Sister Christian, I'm, I think it's safe to assume there was not some voice from heaven where God said, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Christian, go to Maryland. No, job, right? And maybe you've had peace about that, but hello, anybody listening? We, <laughs> wasn't how many of you you could do the same thing? Just seem like, just seem like one thing after the other. It wasn't God telling you, go here, do this, do that. I know God can, and I know God does. I'm not saying God doesn't speak. But I'm also telling you, don't miss that God is in control just because he is not telling you with that Charlton Heston voice. I don't know if that's always what I think of it. Ten Commandments or whatever it is, you know. We had this this plumber came by or the plumber that's done the work on our addition came by yesterday to check something. And uh, he was showing me something on the hot water heater. And I was thinking to myself, man, you have missed your calling. This dude, I was envious of his, I wanted his voice. Like, man, I, I need, this. he had this deep, smooth voice. I was thinking it, but chose, just chose not to say it for whatever reason. But my wife, we're standing there and she says, well, you know what? If plumbing doesn't ever work out, if plumbing doesn't work out, you got another option. And then Brother Brandt, who's the general contractor, laughed. He's worked with this guy a while. He's like, oh, you heard that a bunch, right? Yeah. That's the kind of God voice that we, you know. <laughs> Most of us, we're not getting that on a daily basis. And if we're not careful. How many of you, there, there very well may be somebody, because I know God does this, but how many of you can, can say, uh, let, let's, let's just, let me, let me try to narrow this down and not make it so broad. Uh, uh, how many of you are living, let, let's say physically where you live right now, how many of you are living in the house, the condo, whatever it is right now, because God told you buy or rent that place? We've got a couple. How many of you are there because you needed some place to live? And that's where it felt right. 
Both ways work. Both ways. Both hello. Both ways. Both ways. Just 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 at next time you go to reread some of the Bible, especially some of the stories. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll just give you a suggestion. Go reread Joseph. Go reread the life of Joseph and show me how many times in that in, in Joseph's story that God told him where to go. Thus saith the Lord to you today, Joseph, go get in the pit. Go, go be a slave. Go be a prisoner. Didn't happen. It appeared, it appeared. Oh, I, I'm not promising anything about Ephesians because at this rate we won't get done with it in 10 years. <laughs> It appeared as though circumstances completely out of his control were running his life, except for the fact there was somebody who was running the circumstances. Oh, hallelujah. So, okay, you didn't get an audible voice from heaven that causes you to be where you are right now. But Paul said to the church at Ephesus, and I believe it applies to us, that he hath chosen us. Chosen us. Not, you know, well, I'll take that. I mean, let me ask you another. How many of you have the car that you are driving is, if you had your choice of any car, any vehicle, you are driving the car of your choice, the car of your dreams. Four or five people. How many of you, if you had the choice to get the car of your dreams, it'd be something else? You, you, you basically, let me ask you this way. I, I, maybe I know if I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stir up any struggles for anybody. How many of you, you basically settled? You just sit because it's what you could afford. You just cup several of you. Like, yeah. You understand? Do you understand that God didn't just settle for you? Hello? Anybody here tonight? You understand God didn't just settle? Well, I need somebody. Well, I got it, you know, I got it, I need, I, no, no, no. I want you, and I want you, and I want you, and I want you, and I want you specifically chosen, not just a couple of weeks ago, not even just right before you were born, before the foundation of the world, God chose you. Oh, hallelujah. Man. Hmm. Verse 5, now, now, now get ready, because there's a word in verse 5 that has gotten twisted and perverted in, in, in some forms of Christianity today. But don't miss the importance and the significance of what it is saying because of what others have twisted it to say that is not what it's saying. I don't know if I can. <laughs> verse 5. Having predestinated, this 
So here it is. Predestin- predestination is not about the fact that before you were go- born, God decided you're going to be saved, you'll be saved, you're going to be lost, you'll be saved, you're going to be lost, you're going to be lost. No, that, that's not what that is. And so that's not what this is talking about either. But you have been predestinated as un- having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Am I reading a different Bible than y'all are? Let me read the Amplified, give you a little bit different content or different wording here. For he foreordained us, destined us, Planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will because it pleased him and was his kind intent. You you understand? I mean, there's other verses, there's other things in the Bible that... That, 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 that back this up. So I'm not, I'm not creating something off of one verse. But in the, the principle of this verse is that even before he ever started creation, he already planned for there to be a cross. Oh, hallelujah. Before he ever said, let there be light, he already had determined he was going to come to the earth. It was not, okay, let me go, I'm going to let there be light, and he creates everything, he creates man, and then he starts looking at man going, oh my goodness, what have I done? Look at the direction man's going, and look at the way, and Genesis says that of, of Noah's day, that every thought was evil, their imaginations were evil. God wasn't sitting up on his throne, wringing his hands, going, what have I done? There have been, been a couple of times in the in the last... A uh, year, almost year and a half, and where I thought I'd lost my mind. I'm sitting in this house we bought that is about half the size of the house we lived in. Fifty years, we went from a brand new house to a 50 year old house. I mean, there were a couple of days I was like, what in the world have we done? God never, not one time ever has done that. Oh my goodness. I'm trying to believe y'all are just listening, but it don't don't quite feel that way. I don't know how you can be listening to what it is I'm saying and not there be a little more excitement if you're really listening. I don't know. Just saying. Do you understand? He never, one time, not one time, did he look down at the earth and go, What have I done? Before he ever created Adam, before he ever put anything into place, he already had purpose that by my love, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. Not because I have to. Not because I don't have any other choice, but by his love. Because of his love. Motivated by his love. 
I got a question. I got a question for you. If God with something so big as this world and all of humanity from the very beginning of time, if God was not the least bit taken aback by the direction man went, can you listen? You, you, you got too big of an ego. If you think that somehow you've messed it up. You are, you are the egotists of egotists. Because if mankind, if the vastness of humanity and what it had done back in the book of Genesis did not take God off guard, do you think your little mistakes here and there have caused God to go, oh my goodness? No, He already chose you, foreordained, destined you, planned in His love for you. Oh my goodness. He planned in advance to adopt you. He planned in advance to be adopted as his own. He he didn't plan in advance. Well, you know, and I want to be very delicate and sensitive because I know this. I think there's people in here. you've, You've been adopted. He wasn't just... Well, they need, they need a home. They need a, they, no, no. Before the foundation of the world, he already made up his mind. I am going to adopt you. Before I even say, let there be light. I'm already planning to adopt you. And, and we want to, and we want to. And we want to just come to church and go through the motions with this. We want to just be haphazard with all this. We want to, we can't make up our mind if we're really all in or not. And, and we want to be one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Are you, are you kidding me? When from all the way back before, it's one thing. I, I preached it many times. God says to Jeremiah, he says, but when you were in the womb, I formed you. I knew you. That's amazing. That's a wonderful thing. Before you were ever born, God already knew you. When you were in your mother's womb, God already knew you and was shaping you. And But I got to tell you, 48 years ago versus a couple of thousand years ago, that's a big difference. <laughs> Not only did he choose you and plan to adopt you before you were born, he did that before there was even human life. Oh, my goodness. This word predestined, here the word predestined means this. To predetermine. To decide beforehand. To foreordain. In the New Testament, it is of God decreeing from eternity. Whatever it is you're called to do. You guys have got a break. It's been several services, several weeks before you've gotten any, since you've gotten any attention. So here we go again. You just think, think about some of the circumstances, situations. But before God ever created this world, He chose Michael and Tatiana. Chose. Pre-planned. I don't, you know, I, I know, I know it's okay when, you know, if you're going to have kids, you sort of have a preference. Well, I'd like a son, I'd like a daughter. 
God have mercy on any parent that has issues finding out that their child in the womb is a different sex than what they wanted. <laughs> what in the world? Okay, well, we got a we got a fifty fifty chance here. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know, I didn't know. I mean, I, I, through modern technology, yeah, we knew months in advance Elizabeth was going to be. A, but when, when we for a little while after my wife was pregnant, we didn't know what. I didn't predetermine that. I didn't choose that. You understand, every individual God had complete control. That's why there's no mistakes. I, I understand, and, I, and, and again, this, if there's somebody here tonight, and this is, this is how you were conceived, I, hopefully this will help you. <laughs> Even if it's through rape, there are no accidents. There are no accidents. And if God, who is the creator of life, causes life to come into being, that's because before the foundation of the world, He chose you. He predetermined not only that you would be born, but a purpose for your being born. And, 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 and we want to get bogged down in this life? We want to get bogged down in this stuff that is so temporal. When what we've been created for and what we've been called to is something eternal. Verse number six. Verse five again, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. By. By Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Amplified, so that we might be to the praise and commendation of his glorious grace, favor and mercy, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That 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 phrase in the King James to the praise of the glory of His grace is is a little bit challenging in my opinion. They really kind of get a grasp on. But but let me give you what what to me it basically is saying. It is saying that you and I, our lives, are to the praise of His glory. Of his grace. That you and I, it's not just us coming in here and lifting our hands and singing and praising God that is praising him, but he is being praised through you. How many people have become disillusioned with Christianity and lost faith in God because of other people? Shouldn't happen because just didn't matter what people do, God's God. But there are people, especially when it's been, when people have been hurt by, I, I just, I just read today and, you know, I, I don't know, to me, I don't know what you believe anymore. But I, I, I saw somebody posted a quote on, 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 uh, on Facebook. I saw today of, of, of a statement made by 
Katy Perry, and the gist of the statement was that she was raised in a very, very strict church. Some of you may know exactly what title, I don't Pentecostal or what the description makes it sound like. And she made this statement that she would ask her parents why they did or why she had to do certain things, and they never would give an answer. And according to this quote, that's part of the reason why now she's got nothing to do with church. Let me just insert quickly. Parents, you better be able to give an answer. And the acceptable answer in your household is not because Pastor Wright said so. That's the biggest cop out in the world. You better be able to give an answer, a biblical answer as to why. And it needs to be what you've taken ownership of, not what you're blaming on me. So, you know what? It, it, it's a tough thing. I mean, it's a tough thing when a non-believer hurts you. It's a whole other thing when a supposed someone that knows better hurts you. So you and I, you, you and I have been called to be conduits through which he is glorified. How, how, well, are, how well are we doing at that? How well are we doing? How well is my life giving praise, bringing praise and glory to him? Verse number seven. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of of his grace according to the riches of his grace we've been given forgiveness of our sins according to the riches can i tell you tonight god's grace will never what's it what's the not ex, um, endangered for animals. What is it with resources? What's the word? If resources are running out, is, is, is it endangered? I thought, I thought endangered typically was species. But. I don't have a word, so we'll just make the point. God's grace is never going to be running out in your life. Has to be a more eloquent way of saying that. God's grace. You're never going to have to worry about God's grace running out because He has forgiven you already and will continue to do so according to the riches. There is an abundant supply. There is more than enough. He told Paul, My grace is sufficient. Meaning, I've got, don't worry about it, Paul. I've got enough grace. I got more grace than you'll ever need. And as long as I am maintaining a right attitude and a right spirit, I do not have to worry about the grace of God running out in my life. Amplified, in whom we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through his blood, the remission or forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. Verse 
Verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Anybody glad tonight that God has abounded towards you? (laughs) He has abounded toward us. The Amplified says it this way. He lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding, practical insight and prudence. The word abound there means to exceed a fixed number or measure, to be over and above a certain number or measure, to be over, to exist or be at hand in abundance, to abound, to overflow. So God has come out come at you with an excess of what you need. Oh, hallelujah. My God is more than enough. He can supply all my needs. You know, and we think we sing that. And let's be honest. Most of us, when we sing that, we're probably thinking about. My God is more than enough. He can supply my BGE. Are you kidding? Oh, look at that. He has lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding, practical insight and prudence. Do you know what what to me that means? That means that God is not just interested in simply giving you spiritual wisdom. And obviously, that's extremely important. But you know what that tells me? That that verse tells me that God has got some advice for Spriggs Bus Services. That God knows how to guide and direct you. Practical insight and prudence. The bottom line is, all of us, I, I, I don't know, I don't want to offend somebody that maybe you are, you are maybe one of the exceptions to the rule. So I'll rephrase it. The great majority of us are living so far below. And what do we do? We point fingers at him. I, I don't. I, I don't. I take. I, I take care of my stuff. I mean, in, in any. I mean, stuff. Whether it's tools or it's athletic equipment, or I take care of my stuff. I'm not letting somebody use my stuff that I watch them. They don't take care of their stuff. I want, I, I want us, I want us, if I'm going to share what I have, I want it to be with somebody that I have watched and observed to be trustworthy. And I wonder how many of us, God is looking at us just kind of wagging his head going, I have got so much more. 
that I want you to freely use and freely have access to. But I, I just I need you to prove to me your trust. That, that's not about earning it. There's a difference between earning and being worthy of it versus proving that I'm trustworthy. Trustworthy, being trustworthy is not about earning something from God. It's about proving to God, I will be a good steward and I'm going to take care of what it is you give me. I, I don't see if I can bring this a little closer to home for some of you. It, when, when God sees you come act one way in church... And then when you walk out of here, you don't even think about him until the next time you come back. Do you think he's releasing all those spiritual blessings he's already given to you for you to use in the way you choose? Absolutely not. And yet, either the word of God is true or it's a lie. And if it's true, he said, I've already given, I've already done all these things. So if I am not living and experiencing those things, whose fault is it? I came across a scrolling Facebook a few minutes this afternoon and, and, uh, brother Dr. James Hughes, he's spoken at a couple of our marriage seminars. He's currently in Malaysia, part of a camp going on in Malaysia. Somebody had a couple moments of his message being recorded in the Part of the point he was making in that clip that was posted was we all, every one of us has as much of God as we want. Every one of us has as much of God as we want. And let me say it this way. We can have as much of God as we want. Whatever level you're at, the amount of God, and I know if you want to get really theological about that, you probably could pick that statement apart. But just let me use it in this general context. Whatever amount of God you have right now is as much as you want. And the fact that you have no more than that is no one else's fault in the world but yours. It's not the devil's fault because the devil can't keep you from your relationship with God growing and strengthening and deepening. Can't do it. You know what? Most of us and a few of you, I say most because I think a few of you perhaps have some legitimate, legitimate not made up, but legitimate reasons for this. But, but, but all of most of us here tonight, we are in as good a physical shape as we want to be. All week to week, it's, it's now becoming an old joke in our house. And it's probably not the only house where it's been made. But Monday, Monday's coming and the diet starts Monday. Monday comes and goes, and we get halfway through the week. Oh, but next Monday's coming. And you know what we do? We come to church. Oh, more of you. I want more of you. I've had much, but what I need is more of you. We do that here, man. We got the Kleenex box. We're wiping snot and tissues. We, I mean, we got that great contorted face that God has got to be so moved with. 
We get that just that right amount of wine in our voice. Oh, God, I want more of you. God, go, really? Okay, great. Let's see, let me see what you do Friday. Let me, see how, let me see what happens tomorrow. Let me see what happens on Saturday when you hit the weekend. Anybody can say they want more of God on Thursday night. Anybody can say they want more of God on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Anybody can say that. But if you really want it, what are you doing about it? He has made known, or wherein has abounded, abounded. There is an abundance toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. He has made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. I'm saying it again. Nobody's, no, nobody's forced God to do what he's done in your life. Amen. Nobody's forced God to accept you. He chose before you were ever born, before he ever did the first thing in creation and already knew everything about you. Yet he chose in advance to adopt you and plan for you. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things as in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. There's that word again. Again, the context is from the very beginning, this is what God planned. The difference between what this is saying and the idea of predestination with salvation is the fact that this is what God has predetermined that he wants to do. This is what God has planned for you. But whether or not that is fulfilled is up to you. Before God ever created you, he predestined, he predetermined a purpose and a plan, a a reason for your life. But if that's going to be fulfilled, you've got to participate with him. Not going to force it. He's not going to mandate it. Man, I tell you what, it would be, that would be, I I think that would be, I I think for me personally, that would be a wonderful thing. And I, I got to tell you as a pastor, I would, my job would be so easy if God would just start making everybody. Make them do this. Make them do that. Force them. But he's not going to, never has, never will. Oh, he's got a way. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, y'all, y'all gotta act like when I preach it, y'all gotta act like you did. I got, I got some, this is the way it works. A lot of times the Lord gives me a title and then the message unfolds. I, I, I hope I get to preach this soon. The title's gonna be scented or unscented. <laughs> scented or unscented. Here's the context. Jonah ended up in Nineveh. 
Jonah ended up in Nineveh. But he could have got there unscented. Because I guarantee you after three days in the belly of that fish, he had a serious scent. And I guarantee you he had to work for several days to get rid of that smell. So you know what? There's a good chance you're going to ultimately end up where God wants you. Not because he mandates or forces you, but he's just not going to let you get comfortable with where you want to be. And you can get there smelling or not smelling, but more than likely you're going to get there. But the bottom line is he can still do everything in his power to try to direct you and guide you. And at the end of the day, you decide, nope, not doing it. I'm, I'm quitting. In the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That we, here's that, here's that phrase again, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I, I know as an, as an individual, as a soul, I, I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I don't want to spend an eternity lost. I don't want to go to hell for eternity. I want to go to heaven. But the purpose of my life and the purpose of your life is not simply get to heaven. A part of the purpose is to be to the praise of His glory. I mean, have you ever had, have had that experience where on the job or, or, or someplace else, somebody's come, they, they've just maybe a complete stranger or maybe a coworker or somebody this time. You what's, there's something different about you. Anybody ever had that experience? Uh oh. Jesus name. You know what that is? That is the praise of his glory. Because. Hopefully, the answer to that is the fact you've been predestinated and you have been chosen. And therefore, through you, he is doing things that are to his glory. You know what? My, my, your, your kids, my kids, at the end of the day, they got to make their own decisions. They got to make their own choices. And, 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 and I acknowledge as the parent of, of, of three young adults and an almost young adult, I acknowledge that they're at a point in time where, you know what, they're, they're, they're standing more and more as their own individuals. But I don't, I don't in any way take credit. My wife and I don't in any way take full credit for the, the four individuals that, who, who they have become and are becoming. We don't take full credit. But we've had a part. <laughs> and we've had some contributions. And as a parent, as a parent, when I watch my kids do things, I watch my, my whether it's ministry or, or even in just some day-to-day things in life, I, I, I watch my, I watch my, I watch Elizabeth because she's the one, Esther's got her, 
areas of talent, whatever, and Elizabeth's got hers, and Elizabeth's in the home. I watched Elizabeth work almost all day long on Thanksgiving Day with the settings and the table decor. And as a, as a parent, that produces pride to watch your kids and watch them invest themselves and do an amazing job. And you know what? There have been a few times now where I've had people say, well, well, you and your wife have done a good job. It's not all about us. Again, it's not all about us. But you know what? It is all about him. <laughs> and I want, I, I'm not talking about, I'm not just talking about in some kind of trivial whatever way. I want my life to be to the praise of His glory. I want everything about me. I want the guys that I associate with several mornings a week at racquetball to recognize something different. I, I want the server at the restaurant I go to. I, I want the, I want the person on the end of the phone in India that I am irritated that my customer service is on the other side of the world. I want them to recognize something different about me. <laughs> because I have been, cho- I have been Chosen. I have been chosen. Any, any, does this make any sense tonight, y'all? You have been chosen before the foundation. There's a song, and, 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 and sometimes I, I don't, you know, I, I think it's, you know, there's some songs that are great songs. They sound really good, and but I'm not sure they're 100% accurate, but. There's a song, it's more of a southern gospel song, so some of you probably never even heard it since it's southern gospel. But it, 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 The course goes something like this. It says, or this is a verse, I, mean, I don't know, either, whatever. It says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I don't know, that's pretty great. I mean, that's I, that sound, I'd like to think that while he was hanging on there, he, you know, the, the idea of me and my need for salvation and whatever, you know. But I got to tell you, the verses I've read to you tonight, they go even farther back than the cross. They go, they go all the way back to the very beginning. That from the very beginning, he chose you and I. You know what? Let me, let me, I'm, 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 I'm closing. We're about to, you're getting ready, you're getting ready to be the bump of the runway. Hold on. Can I, can I say this? And I, this, I think we're past, I really think we're past this, which is the reason why I think I can say it. But just to make sure, three years ago, three years ago, when we made all these changes, you and I weren't left here. We weren't left here because God chose everybody else to go to north and chose everybody else to go to west. No. In fact, before the world was formed, God decided, 2016, we'll make some changes in Antioch, and I'm choosing. I'm choosing. You, you... You were chosen by God, determined before you were ever even born, before He even ever created the world. He planned already to adopt you.
if somehow by the help of the Lord, however long the Lord allows it, if, if we can get a fresh revelation of what the body of Christ really is, of what the church really is, of what we're really doing here as the church, and then we can also get an individual grasp on who we are and what we're doing here. Those, I believe those two things could absolutely revolutionize us individually and collectively as a body. To really get a grasp on what it means to be the church and the body of Christ and what that's all about. And then as a member uniquely chosen by God. I don't care if you're so young in this room tonight, you're not even paying attention. You're playing games or you're screaming out. Or if you are in the sunset of your life, it does not matter. You have been chosen from the foundation of the world. You're not... you're not a leftover. You're not. This isn't. This isn't God's outlet where it's all the rejects and the, you know, the the damaged garments. Just as much as God chose for Paul and Peter and James and Mary and all those, and just as much as He chose them for that time, He has chosen you and I for this time, Father. I pray somehow that by your grace, this would be more than just words. More than just perhaps some kind of a good thought or a good idea. Because God, it's your word. It's the principles. It's the promises of your word. I pray again, God, as we close, that you would let a spirit of revelation come upon every one of us, God. Of what it is you have chosen us to be a part of, of who it is you have chosen each one of us to be. That this is not just something to begrudgingly do or participate in out of obligation or duty, but we have been invited by you long before, even before there were parents to even think about us. You had already decided, chosen, picked us. I pray, God, that more than ever before, that we could live in a way that would be to the praise of your glory. That our lives would be lived in such a way that it would be to the praise of your glory. That our actions, our conduct, but also what takes place in and through our lives would be done to the praise of your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, let your word be sealed in our hearts and our spirits, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.